I love a good podcast, as you know, and I'm always happy to share resources for parents who are looking for creative, smart content that both entertains and offers enrichment for curious kids everywhere. So I'm happy to let you know about this awesome new show from the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, The Adventurous World of Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. The series explores themes that kids like ours love, like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. And episodes transport kids into iconic periods in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England. So cool. New episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a perfect length for those car rides, for meal times, for break times, and bedtimes. What I love about this show is that it's kind of like listening to a book on tape. The story is captivating and includes lots of problems listeners can try to solve. The voice actors are fantastic, and the math concepts are seamlessly weaved into the narrative. It's exactly the kind of show Ash would have loved a few years ago, especially during our homeschool years, because finding that perfect blend of entertaining and educating, it isn't always easy. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. I call this the folk psychology of unschooling. The principle is that when the kid really wants to learn something, they have their own chosen reason to learn it, then they will do it rather quickly. And that's the power of self-directed learning. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. My name is Debbie Reber, and I'm the host of this show, and I am really excited to share this conversation with you. My guest is Blake Bowles, the self-directed learning advocate behind Unschool Adventures and the author of several books on unschooling, including The Art of Self-Directed Learning, Better Than College, and College Without High School, as well as the host of the Off-Trail Learning Podcast. Now, you may be listening to this and thinking, I am not homeschooling my child or unschooling is just not my thing. But I'm going to encourage you to listen to what Blake has to say. Because regardless of your child's educational circumstances, there is wisdom to be gleaned from Blake's philosophy on self-directed learning and helping our kids grow up into intrinsically motivated humans who understand themselves and are driven to seek out the information and resources they need to achieve their goals. I also love that Blake's approach beautifully challenges those traditional timelines that our differently wired kids often don't meet anyway. So have a listen and let me know what you think. I'm curious to hear how this interview lands with you. Lastly, if you enjoy this podcast and would like to support its production and support all the work that Tilt Parenting is doing, please consider joining my Patreon campaign and supporting the show with a small monthly contribution. The money that comes in through Patreon goes directly toward covering the production costs for this show and for Tilt Parenting. Thank you so much for considering. And if you want to learn more or sign up, just go to patreon.com slash parenting or look for a link on any of the show notes pages. Thank you so much. And now here is my conversation with Blake. 
Hey, Blake, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And I just, uh, just so listeners know that I'm recording this uh, in the evening in New Jersey, and I'm talking to Blake, who is in New Zealand right now. So the audio quality sounds great, and I just have to give a nod to Skype and modern technology. <laughs> I will also give a nod to uh, communication technology. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. So before we get started, I always like to just give guests an opportunity to introduce themselves a little bit about you know, your personal why, uh, and I'm sure this work is very personal for you. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do and, and why you do it? I've been working with teens who don't go to regular school for most of my adult career. And I didn't get into this as a young person myself. I went to public school in California. I went to university because I thought I wanted to be an astrophysicist. And very quickly, I was mugged by reality and instead got into alternative education and designed my own degree to study education full time because that just seemed a lot more interesting and relevant and important. And I started working at a summer camp after university called Not Back to School Camp, which is the preeminent summer camp for teenage unschoolers in the U.S. And that's where I got to really meet a lot of these kids face to face. And it was so inspiring to meet them and to, to experience what it's like to work with teenagers in this more, I guess, authentic setting. And that inspired me to, to write books about them and for them and to start a company called Unschool Adventures, through which I've taken teenage unschoolers on long-term international trips for the past 10 years. And that's how I've been making my money. And uh, that, that's the short story, Debbie. I just love how you designed a life for yourself that is, you know, I'm sure you're able to do the things that you love to do and you're serving kids at the same time. So it really seems like the ultimate win-win. Yeah, it's been a great ride. That's awesome. So, well, let's just even look at the concept of unschooling. We were talking before I hit record and I haven't done many podcast episodes on homeschooling altogether, you know, a lot of our listeners don't homeschool, a lot are considering it. Um, and then there's a, a handful of us that do. So I've shared my experience with that, but we haven't even looked at this idea of unschooling. So can you explain what it is? How do you define it? Homeschooling is legally the same thing as, as unschooling. And so there's no separate designation between unschooling and homeschooling. But unschoolers reject this word homeschool because it implies school at home. And that conjures this image of mom teaching algebra at the kitchen table and the parent who has to be an expert in all these different subjects. And really, most people who start out with traditional homeschooling, they migrate away from it. There's studies that confirm this. Within a few years, most families move towards something that looks more like eclectic homeschooling. And some move straight into unschooling, especially with older kids. I think younger kids are much more adult and more parent-oriented. But as soon as you hit adolescence, they become more peer-oriented. And really, like YouTube becomes the better teacher than mom or dad. And so unschooling is really about embracing this whole idea of self-directed learning and saying that my kid is a self-directed learner and that I'm going to support that and nurture it. I'm going to be their consultant instead of the boss of their education. And we're in this together. And that's that's pretty much as, as far as I can generalize unschooling, Debbie. Well, it's interesting. I, I thank you for that definition when I was living in the Netherlands, I was homeschooling my son there and that there are very few homeschoolers in the Netherlands. The government makes it really difficult to get mm -hmm. people to do so. 
And the homeschoolers that I did connect with tended to be, you know, very much in the unschooling category. You know, Mm -hmm. I think I'm more the eclectic and probably also have become less structured as the years have gone on. But um, I think there is an idea maybe, and, and I wanted to ask you about some of the myths. I'm sure that you get asked questions a lot about, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there about what it means to be unschooled, you know, and the word on the street, at least in the Netherlands, is that those kids may not learn to read till they're teenagers, or, you know, the parents kind of are so hands off that the kids aren't learning, I guess, what would be considered more typical things, right? So what do you yeah. hear from people? And, and what are some of your thoughts on that? Well, some of the myths are true. <laughs> you know, they're not myths. So for example, kids who don't learn to read until later, I, I think teenagers would be a, a pretty strong exception. But definitely kids who don't learn to read at the, the normal age, but instead they're getting up into age seven, eight, nine. I mean, that freaks people out, right? Mm-hmm. And those kids do exist. And so it's not a myth. But the myth is that they will be irrevocably damaged by this experience. And the assumption is that when you look at that kid who didn't learn to read until age eight, because that's when this kid got into Minecraft and all of a sudden decided, oh, my gosh, I have to be able to read all of this stuff online to be able to you know, participate in the world of Minecraft. The myth is that that kid will be somehow categorically different at age 15 from kids who were forced to read at the normal age. And that's, in my experience, not true. And in the unschooling world, there's no great, you know, cover up of, of kids who, you know, can't learn to read or are permanently d- disabled by this this early unschooling experience. And so I think we're speaking more towards the, the fear and anxiety instead of the myth. Um, I think socialization is another big one. Uh, I'm sure if you've talked about homeschooling, you've had to deal with this uh, forever and ever. And mm-hmm. again, I, I've met not just homeschoolers, but unschoolers who do have challenges with socialization because they're relatively isolated, because they don't have opportunities to make many friends, because their friends are online. And so that is a real challenge. But these kids still go on to higher education. They go on to get normal jobs. I think that for me, after being in this unschooling world for more than a decade, what I've seen is that Unschooled kids don't face seriously different problems from other kids in their same socioeconomic demographic. And so when people say, oh my gosh, if I don't force my kid to learn math right now, or you know, my kid is essentially in, in eighth grade and all these other kids are doing pre-algebra and my kid won't touch pre-algebra with a 10-foot pole, this idea that the kid will never be able to get into college That's something I've been pushing back against for a long time because, again, it's true. Yes, there are unschoolers who don't know math when all these other kids know math. Uh, But when this unschooler decides that she wants to go to college, the same story happens over and over again. They figure out very quickly what they need to do to achieve this longer-term goal. For example, I want to go to college so I can study marine biology because marine biology is cool. That's something that they've, they've figured out in all of the the freedom and self-direction that you've given them. Uh, Then a kid has a serious, intrinsically motivated reason to get their act together and learn math. And this happens super quickly. Um, The Sudbury Valley School, a famous democratic free school 
in Massachusetts uh, has a wonderful story about a multi-age group of kids at their school where no one is forced to learn anything, um, who said, we want to learn basic math. And they asked one of the, the founding members of the school to teach them math. And the founding member was like, I don't think you really want to learn math. Like somebody's putting you up to this, right? And they said, no, we want to learn math. We want you to teach us. And he said, all right, I'm going to choose the most boring 1898 math primer, uh, you know, that I can find. And we're just going to do drill and kill. You know, it's going to be pure math and you got to do your homework. You got to show up on time. And if you don't, then I'm not going to teach you. So they all said yes. And essentially these kids covered, I think, six years of academic of school math in 20 contact hours. And so, yeah, so perhaps that's an exceptional story. But the principle, I call this the folk psychology of unschooling. The principle is that when the kid really wants to learn something and they have their own chosen reason to learn it, then they will do it rather quickly. And that's the power of self-directed learning. That's why unschooling can lead to to highly asymmetric kids in terms of their, their content knowledge. Uh, they might be really into Pokemon Go. They might be really into studying marine biology, and they might be completely devoid of these other subjects. But you know what? So are most adults. Like, I'm pretty good at thinking and writing and speaking about alternative education. My marine biology is in the tank. And and that's actually, that's a good pun. I didn't even try for that one, Josh. And, uh, and, but that has not been a major liability for me because – the way that modern life works is we find something that we're, we're good at, that we can excel at, where we can form a community and have connections, and we focus on that. Mm-hmm. And that's what unschoolers are doing. They're just practicing 21st century skills for survival a little bit earlier than the rest. Thank you. I love that answer so much. I mean, one of the things that jumped out at me early in your response was just this idea that it is so respectful of kids' timelines. That's something I talk a lot about in the tilt parenting community is because our kids are already often developing very asynchronistically. They are maybe socially in one place and intellectually completely different stratosphere. And they may have some, you know, delays in a lot of areas. And it is really wrapped up in fear. But, you know, I'm always trying to encourage people to respect our kids' timelines and know that when they're ready and they learn it and, they, and they're ready to, to make that leap on their own, they can feel really confident about it as opposed to feeling like they're not meeting expectations, you know, which is a message they may hear a lot in a traditional system. That's right. And when you take a kid who's been in the traditional system for a long time and you do give them a little dose of freedom, maybe you're, you're thinking about dabbling with unschooling and you say, let's try this for three months. Most parents see their kids do nothing for three months because that is the first taste of freedom that this kid has gotten. You know, if you were in jail for a long time, you'd probably want to go and, and relax a bit too. And so there are these short-term tests that, that parents do that often look like failures regarding unschooling. But uh, what you're really seeing is the de-schooling process, which the rule of thumb is for every year the kid's been in school, give them a full month to do absolutely nothing because they need to decompress. They need to experience boredom. They need to experience you know, the reason why they, they should be intrinsically motivated because otherwise life is boring and pointless. And uh, yeah, that self-direction tends to pick up 
you just answered one of my questions. I was wondering if there is a, a, de- <laughs> a detox uh, period, but you call it de-schooling, which I like. So that's pretty standard then I would assume. And, and maybe again, for differently wired kids who may be leaving the school system feeling especially depleted or, you know, not in a great space because of high anxiety or things that have happened, even trauma that may have happened at school, mm-hmm. they might need even more time for that adjustment period. Yeah. And this happens with kids who are, might be neurotypical, but uh, are are stereotyped as the good students. This happens for kids who are stereotyped as the bad students. Like the amount of labeling that we take with us from school lasts a long, long time uh, to the extent that many parents push their kids to to do a certain you know thing in school because of the their own labels that they have been you know kind of not dealing with and so i was one of the good students i got a's in school i was good at pleasing my teachers i was good at picking up academic work and figuring out how to play the game and you know that's a very satisfying thing to be a the person on top of the pile in this this kind of weird false hierarchy that we've created called school but I remember at some point, maybe in high school, looking to my left and right and seeing the kids who, who were on the, in the middle or, or the, the bottom of that hierarchy. And really, you know, what had I done to earn this place as the star student? Um, I really feel like I just sort of stumbled into it kind of because my personality matched the kind of personality that school demanded. And to be one of the other students who is constantly being chastised and reprimanded and being told either explicitly or implicitly that they are dumb, they are stupid, Mm -hmm. and really worthless year after year. Yeah, that's a traumatizing experience. Uh, I'm working on a new book right now. And the premise uh, for the introduction is that one day we are going to look back uh, on institutional schooling the same way that today we look back upon child labor and we look back upon foot binding of women in China, which happened for almost a millennium, uh, slavery even. It's going to look like this thing where, where we're going to think, oh my God, you know, how did most people just accept this as like the normal default okay thing to do? Almost everyone was complicit in it. So that's, that's the gravity of the situation in my eyes. We'll be right back after this quick break. If you listen to the show, you probably know that at least one in five children is differently wired. But did you know that approximately one in two women will experience hair thinning? If you're part of that 50%, you are absolutely not alone. But because hair thinning for women isn't something people openly talk about, going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. So why not do something about it with Nutrafol? Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different. So a one size fits all approach to hair growth isn't going to cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow throughout different stages, postpartum, menopause, even for different lifestyles like a plant-based diet. To get your personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes, you can take a simple hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com. And because there's no prescription required, you can quickly get set up online with free shipping and automated deliveries, which make it so much easier to stick with your new hair care routine. See results in three to six months. 
Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code TILT. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code TILT. That's Nutrafol.com promo code TILT. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body, and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com tilt for 25% off. Sounds like a revolution that you want to start or probably already have started. <laughs> hey, many other people started it a long time before me. I'm just picking up the, the pieces and trying to put them together in a new and interesting way. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about that book. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about the self-directed learning. I love the example that you shared about the kid who, you know, may decide all of a sudden they want to apply to this school or maybe a certain program and they need something that they don't have and they can very quickly get the knowledge that they learn and it's at their own request. You know, they they are self-directed. In your experience, do you feel that kids who are unschooled, you know, launch into adulthood being better equipped to be self-directed in their in their lives in general? Yeah, definitely. And I think we need to be careful about uh, kind of cause and effect here, because it might be that unschooled kids succeed as highly self-directed adults because they were born that way. They were just born wanting to take a more creative or entrepreneurial path or just being more nonconformist in general. And so what we see as success really might just be a selection effect. So it's hard to tell whether that's true or not. There's no good research. There's no good data on unschooling. There are some surveys of those who have been unschooled for a long time. And those surveys look a lot like, yeah, these kids go on to do normal things, normal relevant to their their sort of socioeconomic uh, brackets. Um, There are also surveys from these democratic free schools and other sorts of learning centers where you're essentially doing unschooling, but you're doing it in a community center. And those say that, yeah, all the kids do fine also. I think there is a a good measured tilt toward being a little bit more creative, being a little bit more entrepreneurial uh, when you're a grown unschooler. 
so again, whether that produces that skill or it's just fostering uh, the pre-existing attitudes, I'm not sure. And now a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash tiltparenting and browse the selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. This month, I'm reading two books with Audible. One is Wuthering Heights because I've assigned it to Asher for school and there is no way I can read it as fast as he can, but I can listen to it. I also downloaded Trevor Noah's Born a Crime, which Asher and I have started listening to while we were on a road trip and we are working our way through while working on a jigsaw puzzle. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash tiltparenting. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash tiltparenting for your free audiobook. And now back to our show. So I know that you've written about going to, to college, you know, higher learning as an unschooler. In your experience, is that a hard transition? You know, if a child's never been in a formal school setting, and are there limitations in terms of what schools are available to kids who have been unschooled? Sure, I'll answer that second part first. Uh, there is no formal restriction. Uh, there's no institutional barrier against unschooled kids, uh, you know, kids who have never spent a day in school and have never used a formal curriculum at home. Um, there, there's no barrier that will stop them from enrolling like there is in other countries where there are actual pretty serious barriers to homeschoolers going homeschooling all the way through high school and then going into university. And so we're pretty lucky in the United States in that regard. Um, Essentially, colleges hold unschoolers and homeschoolers and alternatively schooled kids to the same standard as everyone else. And so you still have to play by the rules of the game. You know, they have to take the SAT. If you're going to get into a really competitive school, you have to take SAT subject tests. Some schools might do ACT instead. Um, you have to show that you've covered the bases. And so what a lot of unschoolers do is that they enroll in community college classes. You know, almost every community college will let you enroll uh, starting at age 16, many of them you can start younger. And you take, most unschoolers I know take a few part-time community college classes. And if you end up with a class in English and a class in math and a class in history, and you have decent grades in those classes, then essentially most four-year universities are convinced that you can handle college-level work. And anecdotally speaking, the kids I know who have gone on to universities, are their number one comment is like, wait a sec, I thought this was supposed to be harder. Like, There's a lot of people here who aren't taking this very seriously. These kids are going to college because they have made a, you know, a more serious, more informed, more consensual choice to go there instead of what a lot of kids do, which is just, you know, they're checking off the next box. And so unschoolers tend to do very well uh, in college. And, you know, they're not going to Ivy Leagues in droves. You shouldn't unschool if you have this this hidden wish to, you know, ensure that your kid will get into the every top college. If you want to do that, then send them to the best prep school that money can buy. That's what wealthy families do. And so unschoolers do go to college. They go to all sorts and all ranges of colleges. Um, there's no big barriers there. And they don't have problems integrating or socializing or handling the academics as long as they've had a little bit of exposure to formal academics before that. Okay. 
So I wanted to um, go back to self-direction a little bit. I was poking around on your website and I found a great post about giving kids more control. You referenced the book, The Self-Driven Child, which I loved. Uh, I've been mm-hmm. talking with Dr. Stixrude to get him on the show. I think it's such a relevant, fantastic book. So as a homeschooling parent, this question is partly for me, but also I know that it's something that my audience will want to know as well, because this is kind of a common thing. And I'd love to know your thoughts. So after reading The Self-Driven Child, I was really feeling this kind of desire to give a lot more control to my son, Asher, he's 14, and trying to, you know, give him that that freedom to kind of make his own decisions about what, you know, which he always, it's always been a collaboration, but I still was hounding him a lot about things. And so I took a big step back. Yet I'm also, as his homeschooling administrator, I feel responsible, uh, you know, in a way that I'm responsible for his education. So even in asking that question, maybe I'm not, but I, <laughs> I wanted to know your thoughts on that balance between it feels like a little more, if he was in school, I'd be like, Hey man, it's your thing, you know, figure it out. I would maybe have an easier time, but because I sometimes I'm also his teacher or, you know, I feel like his coach or consultant, I never know what that balance is. One of my favorite lines, which I can only paraphrase from the self-driven child, is uh, when they're talking about the parent acting more like a consultant than a, than a boss or manager of the kid's education. And if I think specifically about homework, uh, they say if if your kid's not doing homework, not doing their homework, you know, you can make all these offers and incentives and suggestions, but fundamentally, you you have to let them fail and the counter to that is, well, um, you know, but what if my child will then fail in, in their life? And their rebuttal was, well, it's your child's life. It's not yours. And so the message, one of the messages I took away from that book is that there is this, this kind of fundamental decoupling between parent and child. And often this means between mother and child that needs to happen in order for this kind of parent as consultant ideal to flourish. And really what the self-driven child is striking against is the whole philosophy of intensive parenting, which doesn't, you know, it's not even a phrase that's popular in the lexicon because it's the air we, we breathe. It's the water we swim in. It's just the standard way of parenting that's been developed ever since the 80s. And now it's not just for upper middle class families. It's the standards, the gold standard for, for everyone. It's in which a parent is highly invested in the life of their child. And again, it's more often the, the mother than the father. And there's a, a high degree of identification between parent and child. We'll be right back after this quick break. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to up-level our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason, I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. 
Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient-dense, science-backed gut and brain health recipes, developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites, turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja chicken bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60tilt and use code 60tilt to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60TILT at greenchef.com slash 60TILT. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. I'm on the road this month and oh man, am I missing my sweet kitties Haskell and Lua. They've been a part of our family for more than two years and I'm so grateful they're keeping Darren such good company while I'm away. If you're getting a new pet soon, you're probably already thinking about everything you'll need to buy. Food, toys, a cozy bed, doggy bags, or litter boxes. Something you may not be thinking about, though, is pet insurance. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim, and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com parenting. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. One of my favorite authors who writes about this is uh, William Duresowitz, who wrote the book Excellent Sheep which is a must-read book for anyone who is kind of really obsessed with making sure their kid can get into top colleges. It, it, it's like a, a nuclear missile directly aimed <laughs> at that assumption. And what DeResowitz says is that um, we have these two phenomenons in modern life, one of which is, is over-parenting or, or helicopter parenting. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of familiar with what that looks like. And then he says there, there's overindulgent parenting, which looks like the parent who's way too lax and hands off. And, and he says there's really a, a connection between these two. They're actually one and the same. And it's all about the, the over-identification of parent with child and the projection of parental needs and kind of desires for, you know, maybe unfulfilled objectives for our own lives. Uh, to be projected onto children. Essentially, children are here to be our saviors, and they are the, the primary kind of spiritual purpose of our life. And it's such a radical departure from how parenting was conceived just in the 70s, but definitely you know, 100 years ago, where children were essentially looked on as, 
economic assets. And you go back even farther, and it's there is no you know single parent with an intense relationship with their kid. It's, the kid is being raised by all sorts of extended family and in allo parents, you know, non-family or, or extended family. And so what we consider normal parenting nowadays is actually a recent invention, which is called intensive parenting. And it's, I think it's at the root of the anxiety and concern that you describe. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's so fascinating. And now I want to read that book. I, that, I'm not the, the core audience, but I love the the concept for it. And I love this idea of decoupling because I think that is, you know, it's pervasive and, and it's to not be enmeshed with your child socially can be really tough too, right? Because there's so much judge, judging that goes on. There is. Yeah. You're fighting against a whole culture. It's yeah. an extremely hard thing to do. I think it gets a little bit easier when you opt out of the, the school system, but it, it, you're still there. You're still surrounded by all these other parents. And I know many unschooling parents who are still practicing intensive parenting. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not easy by any stretch. Yeah. It's a work in progress, I'm sure. So if there are people listening to this and they are their interest is peaked. Again, a lot of listeners I hear from are considering homeschooling because for whatever reason, school is not working well for their child. And maybe this feels like a match for what might help their child thrive. Do you have any tips for getting started if they have been in a traditional school system besides that de-schooling period you mentioned? There's lots of great writing out there. Uh, a few places to start is with the works of John Holt, who is kind of the the father of the unschooling world? Uh, his book Teach Your Own is good, and it's he's not a radical unschooler. He's more like an eclectic homeschooler, and so he's a, he's a pretty solid intro uh, to the whole world. There's a website to go to called the Alliance for Self Directed Education, and they have a lot of resources, not just about self directed learning and unschooling, but also about um, learning centers and alternative schools where these these principles are put into practice because a lot of parents just write off unschooling immediately because they say, well, we need one parent to be at home to do that or any other version of homeschooling. And therefore, it won't work for us because, you know, I'm a one parent family or both both of us work. And so, you know, don't write it off so quickly. Unschooling might not be in the cards for you, practically speaking. But if you can send your kid to a democratic free school, uh, an agile learning center, a liberated learner center, these are all over North America and increasingly in other parts of the world, too. And so that can really enable self-directed learning for families that can't do homeschooling, per se, or, or just not interested in it. Um, yeah, those would be the first places to go. And I think of the stuff that I've written that's been most helpful to families that are brand new to this, probably my first book, College Without High School. That is also a nuclear missile directly aimed at this assumption that if you don't send your kid to regular high school, then they can't go to a four-year college. And so I've got like a basic introduction to the ideas of self-direct learning and unschooling and then like a a step-by-step process for like how you prepare for going to college and you do it without having a coercive relationship with your kid at the same time. Not having a coercive relationship with the teenager sounds perfect. 
Sounds like what we want. <laughs> so, okay, you have your College Without a High School book, and then also um, Better Than College, How to Build a Successful Life Without a Four-Year Degree, and then your most recent book, The Art of Self-Directed Learning. So, and, and great resources that you just shared, Blake. Thank you so much. So I will have links to all of these on the show notes pages, everything that Blake just suggested as a starting point as well. So just go to the show notes pages to grab those. But is there anything that you'd like to leave us with or a way that people can connect with you and, and follow. I know you're very active on social media. Um, what's the best way for people to stay connected? <laughs> you know, I'm only active on Facebook cause that's where all the homeschooling moms hang out. That's true. Yeah, that's, true. that's right. That's right. I'm not on Snapchat. I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the one place to find all my stuff is BlakeBowles, B-O-L-E-S dot com. And that's like, I've got my email newsletter. And so that's the easiest way to find out about like my next book coming out. Uh, I've got my podcast also called Off Trail Learning. So all that stuff and the articles that I'm writing for the Alliance for Self-Directed Education, which are free, that's all on BlakeBowles.com. And yeah, I'd love to see you there. Well, thank you so much. This has been a fascinating conversation. I'm sure it has lots of people thinking. I've just added at least half a dozen books to my night table. Oh, I'm so sorry to do that to you, uh, Debbie. It's okay. It's exciting, but I'm a really slow reader. So it could take me a while. But thank you for, for <laughs> all of this. And thanks so much for taking the time out of your, your day around uh, the world to talk with us. It's been my pleasure, Debbie. Thanks for asking good questions. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, including a link to Blank Bull's website, his books, his podcasts, and all the other resources he shared today, visit tiltparenting.com slash session 146. A quick reminder that my book, Differently Wired, is now available as an audiobook narrated by yours truly. To listen to a sample or to purchase it, just go to amazon.com or audible.com. And don't forget to leave a rating or a review or both for Tilt Parenting on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. Ratings and reviews help keep this podcast visible in that ever-growing sea of podcasts. So thanks so much for taking the time to support the show in that way. And that's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. For more information on Tilt Parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.